GZM Shows and the creators of Six Minutes are rolling out their newest audio adventure with the podcast Discovering Dad. A cautious single dad with a secret past and his rebellious kids embark on a thrilling quest complete with hidden treasure, villains, and a family curse. New episodes of Discovering Dad roll out weekly starting June 11th on Apple Podcasts. Follow the show so you never miss an episode. Or listen early and ad-free as a GZM Show subscriber. Go to gzmshows.com to learn more. Hi, welcome to my vagina. This is Jesse. <laughs> Forgot my name. <laughs> Karen. <laughs> Your turn. <laughs> I'm Rebecca Frank. And here we are again, having our current historical, hysterical, and infuriating conversation about, about our b- 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 <laughs> lives. I forgot my line. About our lives as vagina-having organisms. All content made up on the spot, but probably researched. Just kidding, fools. It's definitely researched. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, everyone? We got another email. We're really excited about it. And she's from Brazil. Fernanda Eggers, thank you so much for reaching out. Apparently, we have listeners in Brazil. Fucking awesome. (laughs) If any of you other listeners from really cool places want to email us and tell us where you're listening from and how you found us, you can do that at welcometomyvagina at gmail.com. So Fernanda gave us a little bit of feedback um, about... Our, in our last episode when we talked about athletes and she said that we missed someone important mm-hmm. uh, Marta Vera de Silva who I might have pronounced that wrong uh, who's in the Mermaids of Santos I'm sorry I've been dying to say that that's fucking awesome that's the team that's right? the team name so cool and she's so dominant that she's known around the world as Marta which basically makes her the Madonna or Beyonce of sports. And uh, so we figured that because of the level of interest that people have been having in that segment, we would start to do a little spotlight on women and non-binary athletes on Instagram. And Marta will be our first feature. So if you want to follow along and learn all kinds of new stuff, you can find us at Welcome to My Vagina on Instagram. Yeah. Thanks, Fernanda. Yeah, thanks. I feel like we have a new friend. So we're going to tell some travel stories, I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I guess. Why, why it's important to us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because we're going to have a super awesome guest on in a second. Yeah, who's talking about this really, really cool organization that she is forming now. And both of us, which you may or may not know, are pretty big travelers. Um, and I think it's played a really, really large role in just like the way that we've be- like become who we are. The best, my best travel story Probably. Or like what, why is important to me? I spent my entire, um, my entire junior year of college traveling and we, it was an ecology program. So we got to live with all of these different people. We went to England, India, Tanzania, New Zealand, and Mexico Mm -hmm. and stayed half the time, um, in cities and half the time in rural areas, living with families. And we got access to a lot of different people in all sorts of different places. And probably the best thing um, that I experienced during that time was we spent three uh, nights living with the Maasai. The, um, the women lived with women in their bomas and the men stayed with men and followed them as they herded the cattle and things like that. They didn't speak any English and we didn't speak any Ma at all. And mm-hmm. there's no similarities. So you can't just try and figure it out using language. And so we had to find all of these different ways to communicate with each other and to try and teach each other things. And it was one of those things when you really realize like how deep just human connection can go beyond language and how much we rely on language to communicate with people, but how you can do it without it. Mm-hmm. And I have like never laughed so hard in my entire life mm-hmm. than I did 
with these women just sitting in their bomas in the middle of the fucking desert in Tanzania while we tried to say <laughs> words in each other's <laughs> languages and not we couldn't get our mouths around the pronunciation yeah. of what the other one was saying. Combo of charades and laughter. Yeah, exactly. So the, the funniest thing about it probably was that because there's all of these obviously like lions and, and tigers you know, and bears. Oh my. Oh my. Exactly. All out there and hyenas and shit. Like they had herds, of, they had like cows and goats and stuff like that. And they couldn't just let them out because they might get eaten. And so they have a separate area in the boma where the where the animals would stay. And I'm lying on my little bed thing. And all of a sudden, we're all sitting there not saying anything. And all of a sudden, this little head pops up and it's a goat and just goes, meh, just like out of nowhere. <laughs> and the only thing I could think to do was imitate it. Mm-hmm. So I made the noise back at it and it was silent. And I was like, Oh no. And then they just started laughing their asses off. And it was just like the best. Oh no, I've offended them. I thought that I had, but then, then we just had fun. And I just, and I just think that that just taught me so much about what kindness and smiling and being open to communication with others. Mm -hmm. Um, and just the fact that you can communicate with anybody, Mm -hmm. even though it might be a little bit harder and you might have to get a little bit more creative, but just how much laughing matters and I've just always taken that with me for the rest of my life. I think sometimes it's almost even better if you can't necessarily understand somebody else's language because they're you put more effort into it. You if you're put at the basic level of humanity. I don't know. It helped me master so many things. So the first time I remember traveling by myself was when I was 24 years old. I think I'd had I had had a bad breakup, which is like the last 10 years of my life. But (laughs) I got to Paris and I just remember getting off the plane, getting to my hostel. And I put all my stuff away and I got dressed and I went to walk outside. And it was the first time I'd ever been completely like severed from anybody that I had ever known and anybody that had had any preconceived notions about me. And I looked around and I just started laughing (laughs) like hysterically. And then I kept walking. And for two or three blocks, I started laughing so hard I was crying. And then I got to a point where I had to walk into a telephone booth and pretend that I was on the phone because I had never experienced that like level of freedom Mm -hmm. of just like getting to a point in my life where nobody thought anything about me. I could do whatever the fuck I want. I could be whoever I wanted to be. And like I took up the space that I wanted. And that was such a cool fucking feeling for me. I just I think it was the first time that I realized that traveling by yourself is such a powerful move, especially when you're younger. Um, And I was lucky in that same trip to go to Southeast Asia and know even more of like what my place was in the world Mm -hmm. and how other people lived and what that meant. Learning like learning patience, you know, like Mm -hmm. just like going to different places where you don't know the language, you don't know like the way the transportation works. You don't, you know, have you can't just call someone to have them pick you up. And, And I just remember at one point when I was in India, we had a, there was a train we were supposed to be taking and it was supposed to come at like one Mm. and it came like 11 hours later. Yeah. And there was no information. There was nothing you could do. Yeah. And we just fucking sat there. It was, it was like the first time I remember making that the conscious decision to be like, I get to choose how I respond to this. And so I can either have fun Mm. and like, you know, joke around with my friend and, and like, you know, talk to people and get yeah. some fucking tea and whatever the fuck, or I can get pissed and be like, this is inconvenient for me and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I've taken that with me so much, even here, like getting stuck in traffic. I'm just like, well, oh, yeah. I could either sit here because there's nothing I can do about it, or I can get pissed off and then sit in my anger when I have nothing, when there's nothing I can yeah. do about it. And it just taught me so much about, about just 
about what I can expect from the world, mm-hmm. what what is reasonable to expect, yeah. and how much control I have over my own experience just by the way that I react to and perceive things. Yeah, it definitely slowed me down and made me think about things a little bit. So I put a lot of faith in a lot of people and I found for the most part that people are good. Yeah. It doesn't mean bad things don't happen, but like that was a big lesson for me to learn um, when so many people who probably don't travel very often are like, every place is dangerous. Everybody's dangerous. And I'm like, but they're not. I mean, that's the thing. If everybody was dangerous, then like, I mean, what would those, what would those places look like in reality? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Well, she sneaks around the world from Vienna to Carolina. She's a sticky finger filter from Berlin down to Belize. She'll take you for a ride on a slow boat to China. Tell me where in the world is Carmen San Diego. Hi. Today we are interviewing Kaisi Motley, who's the founder of Movement Black Youth Abroad. It's an organization with the mission of inspiring a generation of global thinkers and leaders. Well, let's talk about your awesome freaking thing. Yeah. What is it? <laughs> what, is what do it? I do? What's going on? Um, so I have just launched a nonprofit called Movement uh, Black Youth Abroad. Uh, and our mission is to take uh, youth of African descent who have never left the country uh, on transformative educational and cultural trips to countries in Africa or uh, that are part of the diaspora. Uh, these Trips are free of cost. Uh, the only requirement is that uh, kids complete a social justice oriented prep course uh, that teaches kids about the uh, history, the politics, and the culture of the country they're visiting. Cool. So that's it in a nutshell. Nice. That's awesome. <laughs> so, would you, do you have already a list of, of, of countries, or would it be depending on like what the interest was or? Yeah, so we actually just announced today uh, that our first trip will be to Colombia. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Where in Colombia? Uh, oh, good question. Uh, so we're definitely going to Cartagena, uh, mm-hmm. and we're making a little internal decision if we're going to do Cali or Medellin. Cool. Yeah. Why did you choose those ones? Um, so Cartagena has a uh, a huge Afro-Colombian population. Like the culture there is amazing. It's gorgeous. Uh, Medellin uh, is a really has a really interesting story. Uh, its transformation over the last twenty years has been. Uh, incredible. Um, most folks, when you think of Medellin, you think of bombs going off in the middle of the day and you think of the drug war, um, completely different now. Um, incredibly, uh, innovative. Uh, a lot of the areas that you couldn't even walk through before, like have an an amazing arts culture and Mm -hmm. have like really transformed themselves. So that could be an interesting, uh, place to study. Cali is the home of salsa uh, in Colombia, uh, very close to Buenaventura, which is, has another uh, huge Afro-Colombian population. Uh, so we're just trying to decide between between those two. Cool. Yeah. How long are you usually, or like how long is the trip supposed to be? Uh, trips are 10 days. Nice. Yeah. Cool. yeah. So awesome. we'll do two cities, five days each. You know, we had, uh, growing up Jewish, it was birthright. Um, I have a, a couple of... Um, feelings about Israel and my desire to visit there mm-hmm. and uh, give money into the into that specific economy, given everything that's happening. Um, not that I don't think that it shouldn't exist because I think that it should, but I have <laughs> I find it problematic. Mm-hmm. But that 
looking at that as kind of a skeleton, like an idea for going forward in the end and the connection to place and how important that connection to place is, even if you haven't ever visited there, right. is such a is such a cool thing. So Birthright Israel was, um, I've been looking at that their program a lot and it yeah. was like an inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, and I probably share some of the same concerns you have about Birthright Israel, but yeah. their overall mission to connect um, Jewish people who aren't from Israel mm-hmm. with their culture and use that to strengthen the culture as a whole around the world uh, definitely took inspiration from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a really cool thing. I think you have kind of a little bit more le- leeway in a really awesome way because I think that kind of what birthright gets a little bit wrong is the religious aspect to of it and mm-hmm. the kind of like wading into that specific kind of political minefield and you I mean totally correct me if I'm wrong because every single country that you will go to going forward will have its own obviously history and culture and stuff like that but you get this opportunity to invite kids to to a place without an agenda other than connecting to space. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like, it's multifaceted. So Mm -hmm. I personally did not want to focus on Africa exclusively. Um, And Jesse was with me actually the first time uh, that I was in Africa and Senegal. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. Fist bumping a monkey. Yeah. Um, Because he was like, look, we want to go to Africa. I was like, hey, (laughs) (laughs) because I think for African-Americans in particular, like, Yes, we are descended from Africa, but we're not African. Um, And I think we probably have more of a connection actually to like uh, black people in South America and in the Caribbean who probably share a more similar experience than we do uh, to Africa. So that's why I didn't want to focus on Africa in particular. Um, But obviously, like we do have the connection to Africa. So like kind of like do both of them. Like sometimes we go to Africa and we study mm-hmm. things from like that perspective. And then sometimes we go to like uh, other p- places with that have a large portion of the diaspora, like Colombia or Haiti is a place we'd love to go. Yeah. Brazil is a, loved, a place we'd love to go and uh, study things from that perspective as well and kind of see the connections um, and how we can work together to solve um, disparities that exist, the same disparities that exist here, like exist in those same countries and kind of examine like why that is, what are the common themes, and then how can we work together globally to fight these disparities? Yeah. I don't think you can get that from just visiting one place either. Right. Mm -hmm. Experiencing that level of culture in every different area and just and your space and the space that you take up. Yeah. And also just like commonalities to that understanding that your experience is not even though we all have our own unique experience, our experiences are not things that we ha- that we go through alone necessarily. Mm-hmm. And to think about the fact that borders of countries are actually societally Just implemented, made up and exactly mean nothing, and yeah, mm-hmm. and, and <laughs> like how grounding that can be for kids who've never had that opportunity to be like, oh shit, right? You know, here mm-hmm. I am at this place that I never dreamed I would ever be at because I've totally been there before. I never dreamed I would be at this place. And all of a sudden I'm meeting people who yeah. have lived a similar life to mine, even though maybe like the environment is different. So so what was that like connection for you between like it was there a personal connection? Like how did you start this? What was the catalyst for this whole thing? <sighs> what was the catalyst? So I think I was honestly just trying to like figure out my life. 
before or after your amazing 10 month trip. So, okay. So let's rewind a little bit. The idea came to me in July. So I've really been working on this for like the last like six months, but then it goes back further than that. So you've been busy. Oh yeah. A little background. A few years ago, I quit my job and I took a 10-month trip around the world. I went to, um, I was in Europe, I was in Africa, I was in South Asia, I was in South America. Uh, when I got back from this 10-month trip, I was like, okay, I just had this amazing experience. Like, most people don't get the opportunity to do something like this. Like, a lot of people don't even realize that they have the opportunity to do something like this. I've been kind of like stressing myself about like, okay, how can I do something with this like amazing gift that I just had? And nothing was coming to me. Like my mom was like pressing me about like, oh, you need to write a book. And I was like, I don't know what to put in the books. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's really an option right now. (laughs) And I just. Moms. (laughs) You should. You should. This is is what you need to do. (laughs) So this summer I was just like thinking a lot about my life and like you know, wanting to um, kind of do my own thing and like create my own thing and like really drive it and something that I'm like really passionate about. Um, So I was like, all right, what do I care about? I want to work for myself. I want to be giving back. Uh, I care about youth and I love travel. And then all of a sudden it just hit me and I was like, why don't I take youth on trips? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and like the whole entire like idea about like the prep course and like the direction we want to go, like that didn't come to me like instantly, but like that took like a couple months of like developing. So I kind of like just had the idea and then I just started um, talking to some people that I really trust. Um, I also saw a meme on World Star over the summer and it said <laughs> for the next six months, uh, whatever you're working on, don't tell anybody about it. Just work hard at it. And, oh. and that's it. So I was like, okay, World Star. Okay, I'll do that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so I tar- started talking to like a few people in there, like a couple of my old bosses. And I had one of my former bosses, shout out to Marco, uh, who gave me some like really good ideas and like a really good perspective about like how I could look at this. And like, I think initially I was looking at it just like, okay, I'm taking on kids on trips so they can learn about travel. But like really seeing like the global building a network, life-changing um what to do after the trip, like, and like keep these kids engaged and really have me start looking at it from Mm -hmm. like that perspective. So then, you know, I start looking at it that way and then like everything just started to, to come together. Mm -hmm. What, what do you foresee as like kind of the community, like the, cause you just talked about having the trip and then the engagement afterwards. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you see as kind of like the, I don't want to say exit interview, but like this idea of like reintegrating because it's a really, when you go on a trip like that, even for a short time, it's like, it can be such a shock to come back and to have your mind kind of opened in a way that you didn't ever expect. And so how do you see the next stage going? Um, So I look at this as it's a community development, a project, like we're taking individuals traveling, but really the bigger mission is that what these kids learn they bring back to their communities. And the reason why we're taking them young is because these kids, like, they're going to be starting college, they're going to be starting jobs, so we want to give them these skills and this experience and this perspective as a young age so it's something that they can use to shape their own development. Yeah, so then when they come back, um, 
we we want to keep being engaged with them. We want to work with them on leadership development. Uh, we want to connect them to jobs and internships. Like the idea is like they've just had this amazing experience. They've um, they've got this amazing perspective. Um, this makes them a better worker. It makes them a better leader. Uh, so what can we do to help elevate them within the community? Uh, so internships, jobs, connecting them to other other travel. Um, opportunities. So our trips will either be geared towards more high school kids or college age kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they're high school kids, like, you know, make sure they know about study abroad, make sure they know about like scholarships you can get for study abroad. Um, and then all the ways that you can travel, not just travel for free, but like make money, like woofing and work mm-hmm. exchanges. Mm-hmm. And that like, just because you were born in America and know English, you now have a skill that you can go to so many places in the world and teach English and make really good money actually doing it, you mm-hmm. know? So, yeah, and hope they continue to travel and they become leaders in the community. Um, did you travel a kid, as a kid? I didn't. No? no Do you I, think this was something that you like that we was missing from your childhood? Yeah, I mean, so we did travel, but like within the US, it would be like family reunion to Mm -hmm. Dallas or like going to see family in like Mississippi or like North Carolina, Uh, but we never traveled um, out of the country. Um, I think exposure is everything. Mm -hmm. I took my first trip abroad when I was 18 and I went to Cuba. Um, And this really just came about kind of just like, a couple of things just fell into place that everything worked out. So in high school, I had been reading like obsessively about Cuba. Um, and I was like, okay, I was going to school in Miami and I was like, okay, it's literally 90 miles away. Mm-hmm. I was like, I have to figure out a way to get there. Yeah. Uh, at this point it was illegal to go to Cuba. Uh, so I went on a Canadian website and I bought a ticket to the Bahamas and then from the Bahamas to, uh, to Havana. Um, and I spent my spring break backpacking across Cuba. Uh, this really just came about because geographically, because I was located so close, I was like, it didn't, it didn't make sense to me to like not be able to get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also that I just happened to be studying this place like obsessively in high school and was just like fascinated with it and was mm-hmm. like, I need to go there. Yeah. Um, didn't you run out of money? Yeah. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right. So Cuba, Cuba, there are no ATMs. So you have to right. bring all the cash that also you're going to use. Also learn that the hard way. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I thought I had enough cash, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. So I ran out of money about maybe like a day and a half short. <laughs> oh, no. I literally did not eat for like 24 hours. <laughs> I think I, I can't remember... I, was, I think I bummed a ride to the airport to get my, oh my flight God. out of there. I, <laughs> mm-hmm. I tried to walk, but I realized it was like 10 miles or something like yeah. that. And I like convinced, I think, a cab driver with like the very last money that I had to like take me to the airport. Right, like, and he was like, 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 have pity yeah. on me, he's please. Like, all right. Like, she's, who is this poor American who speaks like hardly any English, like <laughs> all by herself. I'm sorry, hardly any Spanish. Like, right. <laughs> all by herself. Like, all right, let me just take her to this airport and get her the hell out of here. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I remember I got on the flight and like they were serving like candies or something. And no, I'm like, yeah. not I even just, pretzels. Yeah, you know, not even pretzels. Bastards. And I like <laughs> sucked so hard on that candy. Was it spirit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. Fucking the worst. <laughs> oh, spirit, they're the worst. Never fly spirit. I'm sorry. <laughs> I guess you want to sponsor this trip and then I say fly spirit all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love spirit. Spirit's like, fuck you. Yeah. Uh, wh- why is there a need for this? Obviously there is. Yeah. There are many reasons why there is a need for this. The first one I always jump to is um, just statistics are easy. 
if you look at study abroad, um, black students make up 14% of college students, but only 5% of study abroad participants. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's clearly a big uh, gap there. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what causes this gap? One of the issues with study abroad is um, there's a lot of extra costs that come along with it. Uh, If you're on scholarship, a lot of scholarships don't cover it. Um, You can find scholarships that will cover it, but, you know, those are limited. And then income inequality. You know, when you look at the wealth gap, I mean, the easiest way to look at it is between black families and white families. Uh, I think it's for every $13 of wealth that a white family has, a black family has $1 of wealth. And, yeah, and this gap is getting wider and wider as income inequality grows in this country. Mm. It's African-American families that get hit just a little bit harder. And you would think things would be getting better as time gets goes on, but things are actually getting worse. And that gap is actually growing. Um, so you have an income gap, you have uh, an access gap, and then you have like a little bit, it's like cultural as well. You know, a lot of our parents grew up poor, didn't have the money, weren't able to travel, didn't get that experience. So they weren't able to um, pass it on down to us, the importance of having this experience. So even if you get a little bit of money, like you might not realize that like this is important and this is something that you could, that you should put first. Uh, and then you have to look at like the history of travel for like African-Americans in this country. Um, one thing that I talk a lot about is like restricting black movement. So if you look at like the history of African-Americans in this country, it's all about, and everything's been about restricting movement. So you start with like uh, the slave trade, which is actually like literally like taking bodies and moving them from one place to another. Uh, and then you go into the institution of slavery where you're chained to the, chained to the plantation and um, you say you can't move off this particular space. And then you go to Jim Crow, which says you can't use this water fountain. You have to use this one or you have to step off the sidewalk uh, when a white person's like coming your way. And you have like redlining that says you have to live in this neighborhood. And then even today and you have like policing and like stop and frisk where we say we can, you know, just stop you and restrict your movement mm-hmm. uh, simply because you are a black male and we've heard a black male did something within a 20 mile radius. Um, and then to like white people calling the police for like black people being in a space that they feel that they should not be occupying. That's all like restricting movement. So that's been like the theme of this country and like the history of this country. So for black people, movement has been restricted for a very long time. So it can be incredibly like free and liberating Um to be able to travel and to get a passport and say, like, I'm going to go any in the, anywhere in the world that I please. And then you also have to look at travel for, like, black people um, has been stressful for a very long time. Like, you know, let's say you were growing up in the South and you wanted to go to another state. Driving, it's not as simple as getting in your car and just going there. There you have to worry about, can I find a hotel that I want to stay at? Like, am I going to be allowed to stay here? Uh, sundown towns where like, as soon as the sun, gun ta- sun goes down, like you will little be, literally be killed if you're caught in this town. Like that makes travel stressful. It's not something that you enjoy. Um, and then, you know, the movement of like a lot of blacks from like the South to the North, that was usually like under duress, whether it's like extreme poverty or uh, you're fleeing violence. So travel 
culturally hasn't been something that, A, we've had a lot of access to. There's something that has been uh, enjoyable. And uh, I think so you have the economic barriers, you have the cultural barriers, and it's really important that um, we focus on taking this population and giving them these opportunities and like breaking down those barriers and like changing the culture that like see that like adventure and exploration is for you as well. But I'm also like, you got me thinking about, you know, where, where the majority of college abroad programs focus. Mm -hmm. I remember looking at these options and, and as a Jewish person being like, how welcome am I going to be in these places? Like thinking about Italy and France Mm -hmm. and places that are not, particularly welcoming. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Europe a lot of times becomes the place that people like theoretically like kind of like cut their teeth at travel. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how welcoming that is to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, Europe is always, especially if you're coming from the West, if you're coming from the U S it's easy, you right. know, like a lot of people speak English, like there's maps that's easier to like get around. Uh, but one of the things I find most freeing about traveling is actually when I'm in um, like Latin America or from in Africa and that like I can blend in, you know, mm-hmm. and you don't feel the crushing racism like every single day where every day you're being judged by your skin or like, mm-hmm. or that, that the judgment is negative, you know, exactly. but simply by just by like the color of your skin. So going to a place like Europe, well, it definitely is easier to get around and logistically it's easier for like a person of color to like step into that space. It's like, you're not fleeing that kind of like oppression. I mean, I will say Europe is better than the U S definitely, but like still has its issues. Yeah. I mean, that's what I think so cool about, I mean, among the other things about what you're doing is, is like thinking about travel in such a much, such a much bigger way than I think a lot of people learn about travel necessarily or like at least I'll just speak for myself where I thought that I would go first and um not really being aware of how I had the privilege of of blending my one of my first big trips was going to India which was a place that I never thought that I would ever go but it was part of my abroad program that I did and it Mm. was such an incredible experience and I think this is just like my roundabout way of just being like this is amazing because you're (laughs) because you're basically just like opening up the world and and saying like this this reality this country that we live in which is kind of garbage in a lot of ways this isn't it yeah and you are not limited to this right and so despite all of the ways in which this country wants you to be limited i'm gonna say fuck that shit right and we're gonna find a way to release you from that which mm. is a really really fucking awesome thing badass and you just yeah. made me think of like especially when talking about this country and like, you know, you get stuck in the American bubble. Everything we do is right. We do everything the right way. Mm -hmm. And I think, I guess this is probably anywhere, but like the way things are, the way they things, things have to be. And I think one of the amazing things about travel is like, for example, you'll go to a country, a supposed shithole country (laughs) and the medications that cost $250 here cost $2 and 50 cents there. And you're like, okay, I'm sorry, what? Mm-hmm. And you start to ask, like, ask yourself, like, like why are things like this? Like, um, and when you start asking yourself like that, things like that, you come back to like your space. And if you see something that's not how you, not how you want it to be, you're like, oh, things don't have to be this way. They can mm-hmm. be however I shape my world. 
you know, mm-hmm. yeah. we are a very arrogant country. <laughs> yeah. And so there are other ways to do things. We're not always right, especially right, right now, I think, yeah. as a society. Ugh. And, and we, I we can't lecture anybody about anything. Right no, now. everyone's, everyone's <laughs> right. You know, everyone's yeah. right right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we even look like what you just said about healthcare. It's like fucking our insurance companies and the medical industry has been destroying everybody and and then like Martin Schlary, fucking arrogant <laughs> fuck, tries to go over and like blow it up somewhere else. Right. And but it took that. It took that for people to get mad. Right. But that shit and not that that shouldn't have made people mad, but that shit has been happening here for a very long time. There's so much possibility in in understanding the interconnectivity of things, especially when you're younger. I don't know. Right now it seems like you have like Brazil, you have here you have Italy, Fucking like Brazil, potentially, <laughs> potentially in France, potentially in Germany, potentially in the Netherlands. Like it seems Austria. like the fascists have all been like well, feel like working together internationally. It is. Like, yeah. so Brazil. We is better figure it out. Brazil <laughs> feels like our fault. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all our fucking fault. We were yeah. the first domino. Yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, the first this, domino. This works. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay. Well, let's just try it here. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well. I think you're bringing about positive change with that alone. <laughs> That's, no, and this is it's like really awesome. Travel is like I say. Travel has always been like a bit of like resistance for me, and like it, this is a little bit of my way of like trying to spread the resistance. You yeah, know, especially mm-hmm. among young people, and like you know, we do the social justice prep course because we also want them to be like good travelers. We want yeah. them to come with like perspective. We don't want them just. Rolling up in the country, like, why aren't y'all speaking English? (laughs) Fix the stereotype of America. Seriously. (laughs) Like, know something about the culture. Right. Have a little context about what's going on. Right. And, like, you know, meet local people and, like, have conversations and exchange with them and, like, see how your lives are are similar and see how your lives are different and like how you guys can like continue to like have exchanges. You're in somebody else's home. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Be respectful. Uh, Where are you recruiting people from? Yeah. (laughs) Where are you recruiting (laughs) children from? (laughs) Kids. Yeah. Stop talking. (laughs) Youth, youngins. What do the kids call themselves these days? I don't know. I put my Um, foot in my mouth like I got to get caught up on like what the kids (laughs) say these days. Like Snapchat, huh? (laughs) I hear you guys like Snapchat. What do y'all like to get children? I don't know. Fortnite. I hear him talking about Fortnite. <laughs> um, so we'll be doing a lot of like community engagement. So we're going to try to work with schools and guidance counselors, mm-hmm. uh, community-based organizations, uh, organizations that work with youth, community boards. Um, where else? Where else can you find kids? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, now you're the creep. <laughs> right? Thanks for Parts, taking that crown. <laughs> Only in the Northeast. <laughs> um, yeah, so right now, so for the prep course, you have to, everyone has to be geographically in a close place. Uh, so we're New York City based. Yeah. Um, but we'd actually love to bring this program to cities like, cities where, so New York City is like very multicultural. We take like it to take a city to a city that might be less multicultural, like a Tulsa or like a Dallas or a New Orleans. Um, yeah, so in the future, we hope to grow and like go to other cities. But right now, we're focused on New York City. Very cool. 
Yeah. Cool. All right. So how do people find you? How do they donate money? Yeah, yes. donate money. Give us money. Uh, we need to raise $21,000 for the first trip. So every little bit helps, even a dollar, even $1,000 or $10,000. Yeah. Like all that helps. We're high rollers. <laughs> <laughs> um, so our website is movementbya.org. Uh, to donate, you can go to movementbya.org slash donate. <laughs> <laughs> this will all be in the episode yeah. notes and on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, and you can follow us uh, on Instagram and Twitter at movementbya. Uh, and then we're facebook.com slash, you guessed it, movementbya. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Easy please enough. follow, please donate. We appreciate y'all. Cool. <laughs> oh, also, uh, open enrollment starts on February 1st. Just go to movementbya.org slash apply. All of your good friends are pooping. Everyone you know is pooping. Everybody, everybody, everybody poops. No, it's fine. We Dark can talk thing. about weird poop stories. <laughs> just don't want to. Uh... Okay, let me think of another one. No, then. tell me the fucking tell me the chick story. <laughs> Tell me the fucking chick story. It's a sad story. <laughs> tell the other people. Okay, I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna tell this horrible story. This is the okay. This is the worst. Uh, this is the worst international poop experience I've ever had. It's the worst international it's poop experience yeah. I've ever felt. And maybe the worst poop. And I've had a lot of really bad poop experiences, and this is the worst one of my life. So there was this outhouse that we had to use, and there was a chicken and her chicks living in the outhouse and they were just I don't know why they were living in there but they were living in there and she had like I don't know six chicks or something and it was just a hole and one of the chicks fell in the poop hole I shouldn't be laughing it's just Jesse <laughs> and there was no way to get it out like we tried to fish it out by putting like a little like stick in there or something to try and pull it out but we couldn't and so, like, you had no choice but to use the hole, and there was this, like, sad, slowly dying chick in there. And even if we didn't poop on the chick, it would have died from the methane gas anyways, but it was really awful. That was my worst poop experience. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There was I don't know if anybody heard that, but our producer just <laughs> teared up warning. and said trigger warning. <laughs> I know. I feel like a monster. Yeah, it's seared in my memory for life. This yeah. started out because she's like, I have a really great poop story. And I was like, don't <laughs> tell the fucking chick story. I don't have anything to compare to that. You've got to have something. I mean, I mean I've have... pooped in a lot of places. All right. You oh. pooped on a mountain. You pooped in Tanzania on... I What's did poop on a mountain. On, on there was nothing. Kilimanjaro. At that point, I've pooped so many times outside. Yeah. Not that 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 sounds weird. I, but traveling, I've traveled to a lot of like remote yeah, places. Yeah, we just came from lunch and Jesse just <laughs> pulled behind a car. <laughs> I mean, listen, I'll pull behind any car and pee. I have no problems with that. But pooping's a different story. I'll. I don't think I've ever had to go so bad that I've like done it in public. No, <laughs> I had to think about it, but I don't think mm -hmm. so. <laughs> I one time I was trying to think about the Serengeti, but I oh. think we pooped inside. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if we were like on the trail, there was no going there. to the bathroom. Yeah. Like you went oh. to the bathroom before you left. And then what you did you do? Held it. Yeah. You, you were only really gone for like four or five hours, I think. What did you do? Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I don't pee a lot. <laughs> no, not at all. Basically, never. She's like a camel. 
I just remember we were in a bus in Thailand and I think it was when we were headed on our way to Cambodia and it was like a 36 hour bus ride. So there was a bathroom, but it was on the second, it was on the bottom floor. It was like one of those double deckers, but it was a half a bathroom. So it was one of those things that you had to crawl into, um, and like fold yourself over. Like you could never stand up straight and it was essentially like a small hobbit hole in the like between the stairs and the second uh, room full of people must have smelled so bad. Oh, it didn't smell great. And so I like rolled up and, and you know, that's one of those things that doesn't necessarily have, it doesn't flush into anything. It's that like silver retractable thing that just drops everything in. So there's still remnants of everything. And I went in there, I went to go to the bathroom. I peed. I managed to not sit on anything and then I like got up and I turned around and my glasses fell off my face into the toilet and I had to pull them out without I like instinctually I just like grabbed my my like I grabbed my glasses out of the toilet and picked them up and then immediately was like why did I do that I should have just let the glasses go yeah Yeah. oh that's awful it was just like in in one second reaction to be like my glasses no and then I was like like, oh my hand poop hand and we had like 20 hours <gasps> left on the bus. No. Poopy. <laughs> <laughs> Those are our poop stories. Yeah. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening to Welcome to My Vagina. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want it to be. It's time for us to slide on out of here. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram at Welcome to My Vagina. Do Don't it. forget to send us an email at welcome to my vagina at gmail.com. We'll answer all of your questions and we might give you a shout out. Also, follow us on Twitter at welcome my vag. Make sure you leave us a review anywhere you listen to your podcast. Please review us. <laughs> Christ. Also, sign up for our newsletter, which you can find on our website at welcome to my vagina.com. It's on the first page right after the headline. Yeah, you can also read all of the awesome blog posts that we've been posting there. And if you want to be a writer for us, send us an email at welcometomyvagina at gmail.com with the, with the heading podcast writer. <laughs> <laughs> she Fuck. just came up with that. I did. I did. I come up with a new heading every single time. Uh, also, Fine. please check out all of Rebecca's musings on franklyrebecca.com. And check out Jesse's videos at YouTube. Just search for Welcome to My Vagina. And also check them up on Instagram because YouTube's been cutting me off like big jerks. YouTube's a big old asshole. Big jerks. And (laughs) check out all of the awesome stuff coming from the More Banana Network. We've got I'm Listening with Anita Flores. There will be porn. Frau Pow. Awkward Sex in the City. There we go. Scam Wow. And other ones. Etc. Et also, huge thanks to our producer, Caitlin Moldenhauer of More Banana Productions. Go follow all of their things. Okay, bye. Bye. See you next Tuesday. Oh, yeah. <laughs>